0: One of the most useful tools is something that can inspire resentment when I first mention it. So just sit with that and, and, and continue listening for a moment. But there's a huge amount of data to suggest that women get listened to a lot better when they blend two separate things together.
1: Everyone. My name is Leanna. This is Hello and Goodbye. If you've been listening for a long time, this might feel a little weird. Jared is just taking a break for the week. He will be back next week. We have a really funny episode for you guys. So what's amazing about today, though, is we have one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done with Samara Bay. She is a dialect coach, for TV and film, a communication coach for politicians. She also works with entrepreneurs. She's a feminist. And we have a really great conversation about how to get what you want using your voice within dating as well and relationships and work. so I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Just a couple quick things before we get into it. Please make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts. You can rate and review, follow on Spotify, Rate on Spotify you can follow us on social media at hello and goodbye podcast at underscore Lana Joan at the real Jared Rodriguez we have a patreon patreon.com slash hello and by podcast where you can fl- pledge for just three dollars a month there's bonus content including an extra I think 12 minutes of what didn't make it onto last week's episode, which is a really interesting conversation. You also get a 15% off discount code for merch when you become a Patreoni, I also wanna talk really quickly about our two amazing sponsors. Um, V Fresh is a woman-owned company that empowers women to take back their vaginal health. They have products like V Cleanse, which is a boric acid suppository that helps balance your pH. I also, I use that weekly. I also use the V Let's see, V-Gentle, which is a wash. And I actually use it on my face, which is wild. (laughs) But I swear it helps. It's really helped my hormone acne. Um, And they have other amazing products. You can go to vfresh.com and use code HELLO2022 at checkout. So V-E-E-Fresh.com. Use code HELLO2022 to get 10% off your first order. I'm about to order in bulk because I need more of the V-Cleanse and the V-Gentle. So I would recommend that you also order in bulk since it's a one-time code because you're you're gonna love the product. The other sponsor we have is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy. You can do video chat, you can do a phone chat, you can even do uh, live chat sessions. Um, it's more affordable than in-person therapy, and Jared and I are huge advocates for therapy it's such an important tool that we have to help with our mental health so if you want 10% off your first month of therapy with BetterHelp you're going to go to betterhelp.com slash hello goodbye b-e-t-t-e-r-h-e-l-p.com slash hello goodbye and get 10% off your first month and all of these links are going to be in the show notes as well so if you don't remember it you can look at the show notes to find it Okay, so you guys are getting full updates on what is happening in our lives on next week's episode. So make sure to tune into that. Um, okay, I want to address the um, atrocity that happened in Uvalde, Texas. Um, this episode will come out a week and a day after this tragedy. And I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know all of the the policies on gun tr- control. And I do know there's a bill that's not being passed in the Senate that will require a more detailed and in extensive background check on people purchasing firearms. And that bill is not being passed um, because it will ultimately threaten the power of. Um, a lot of senators that don't want that power taken away and are willing to risk the lives of innocent children for their own good. And it's fucking sad. And it is... uh, Just thinking about all of those families that have lost those children in such a horrific way. Is heartbreaking. And to know that we as a country could be doing other things is just so sad. And um I just my heart goes out to everyone who's suffering. I talked about this on on social media, but you know, however you need to grieve this is how you need to grieve it and to offer yourself self-compassion, whether that's taking a day and just crying or praying or having to forget about it for a moment or holding your child really close, holding your loved ones really close. And um, I just... I just hope that change can happen and there are ways, things that we can do, and we have to keep fighting. We cannot, we cannot just sit idle to this. Um, I've contacted both of the senators in my district and written emails about ways that we can push these senators to pass this bill. Um, you can do that as well. You can go to senate.gov. Find your senator. Ask how can how can we end this? How can we as a community come together to fucking stop this? <sighs> and <laughs> I don't even know how to continue on normally with the episode. But let's just take a moment. A moment to cry or to pray or just to grieve and and think about those that we lost. <sighs> okay. Take as long as you need to if you need to pause the episode or come back later. Um, this really is one of my favorite interviews we've had on this show and i hope that you will find this to be empowering um and because i know i did i felt really inspired by the end so let's go ahead and get into it i will see you at the end enjoy i am so excited for our next guest she is a in her words dialect coach for tv and film and speech and communication coach for politicians, entrepreneurs, and for anybody who's interested in using their voice to get what they want. You are also a huge advocate for women. And I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you, Samara Vay for oh, being my here. my pleasure. Thank
0: you so much for having me.
1: I have so many questions for you, but I want the listeners to get to know you a little bit more. So whatever you feel comfortable sharing of your story and how you got here.
0: Yeah. Well, hi, everybody. I'm glad to be here. Um, I have this really cool career in Hollywood where I coach actors on accents. So that means uh, movie stars with foreign accents who need to sound American, American or Canadian actors who need to sound very regional, specific for a role. It's a really cool job. And around 2018, for totally obvious political reasons having to do with the where the country was at at that point and the upcoming midterms, I was really interested in activism and specifically in trying to use my skill set to help the cause <laughs> and move on.org found me. And they, I mean, among a few other coaches that they were kind of collecting and asked if I'd be interested in helping women who are running for office for the first time. It was basically exclusively women, which was just move on's, you know, that was what was happening in 2018. Was there's a whole bunch of first time female candidates for office. And you know what? When you are a woman and you decide, fuck it, I'm going to run for office, you're usually doing it because you have amazing um, drive, fire, ideals, but not necessarily public speaking experience. hmm. And, you know, any woman um, who has been in a position where they have to sort of scale up their life, get on the big stage, whatever, shit comes up. And some of that stuff that comes up is like, I don't want to tell my story because it's boring or I'm taking up too much space or I'm promoting myself and it feels icky. I'm just here for you, not for me. You know, these, these, these little inner demons come up and I'm very interested in that. And I started working with women that year, and it turned into a completely, I mean, I was going to say different career, but honestly, like kind of a calling. Mm. Um, and although I still dialect coach, this has really taken over my life, and it resulted in a podcast and in a book that's now coming out in eight months with uh, Crown, which is a division of Penguin Random House. And, um, you know, what I realized is that a number of things, but one of the things I realized is that the more I worked with women, and honestly... Uh, people for whom English is their second language, immigrants, Um, people who have, as linguists would say, accents that aren't marked for class or race, right? These really loaded phrases to mean that when we talk non-standard and who makes up the standards, Mm -hmm. uh, people judge us Mm -hmm. as maybe not um, deserving of power. And those people can also be us. We can also be judging us. Mm -hmm. And this stuff runs deep. And I realized, um, especially because I'm sort of a pop linguist too, like I've, I've, always, I've always been interested in linguistics and the intersection of linguistics and, and society, uh, questions arise around like, what, what are those biases? What are those standards? Why, are we, why do we listen to certain people and we go, oh, uh, I, I believe them, I trust them. And we listen mm-hmm. to other people, and we go, hmm, <laughs> they have to earn it. <laughs> or I can dismiss them, or they clearly don't sound quote unquote educated, right? Mm-hmm. There are so many biases laden in there, and um, and you know we're we're pretty much all guilty of it, according to linguists. And it's sort of liberating to just know that. I mean, among all the internalized biases we've all picked up, and that you know us <laughs> good folks uh, in twenty twenty two America are trying to examine and check and get mm-hmm. better at
2: mm-hmm. one of
0: them that no one talks about, and so it became kind of my thing is voice bias. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I just sort of stand here at the intersection of voice and power, waving a flag and saying, come join me in the revolution.
2: <laughs> I
1: I love this. And by the way, I'm going to like, I'm going to flex for you. But one of your uh, a- actor clients is Gal Good Is it Gardo or Godot?
0: Uh It's Gal Gadot. But if you're... Um, uh, Israeli, like her, it's Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Oh, yes, yeah. but yes, Gal Gadot. In fact, this is a thank you card from her right there.
1: Oh my gosh! I can't. I'm fangirling. I love <laughs> Wonder Woman. It was like one of the only. Is was it Marvel or DC comic? DC. Okay, I'm not really into those types of movies, but I was yeah. in the theater three times
0: for <gasps> Wonder Woman. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I've had some really incredible clients, and I have to say, this is not about Gal specifically, but the more women in power, in that kind of power, that I have worked with, um, even straight up in the performance realm, the more I have been interested in power. Mm -hmm. Because, actually, I will say this anonymous story about somebody that is not Gal, truly, but I worked with uh, another famous actress who um, only signed on to a project because or not only signed on, but, but she only agreed to sign on uh, under the condition that a woman at a certain point would take a pass at this script because it had a lot of dick jokes, let's be honest. Mm. And um, they said yes. Mm-hmm. She signed on. She requested. Mm-hmm. It sort of weirdly never happened. She requested a second time. It weirdly sort of never happened. <laughs> and then we were working together and I was like, so what's the deal? What do you, I mean, these jokes are still not totally working and she said i did two asks if i do one more i'm going to be difficult wow and i'm like there's more you learn from working with movie stars than the work itself there's a whole lot about how to navigate power even when you seemingly from the outside have all of it yeah um so yeah i mean i uh (laughs) I was so excited to sell this book. It happened at the top of the pandemic, um, literally March of 2020. And it ended up being a 13-way bidding war. And my, you know, we were like two weeks in to COVID. And I was like, who cares about women's voices? Like, let me just take a second to mourn the loss of this project. And then the publishers came out. And I think the fact that I talk about voice through a social justice lens is just sort of fresh and new enough that people were interested and knew it was a a big deal. Uh, But also, there is sort of a fun component here because, like, all of us actually have voice drama. Like, Mm -hmm. if you are listening and you don't, that is wonderful. But (laughs) from the... Clients I've had, and the workshops I've done in corporate contexts, in political contexts, in women's empowerment, um, like come from spaces in the startup world and among high schoolers. The same stuff comes up, and it you know, one of the things that I offer is this idea of your voice story. So I I just made up this term to sort of capture the spirit of like, how each of us has an interesting relationship to our own voice. Some might say it's sort of a toxic relationship to our own mm-hmm. voice. Most of us have, from what my experience, have little inner, you know, messaging along the lines of, I use like too much, I somebody once told me that my voice is annoying, and I don't believe them, but like I kind of do. Uh, I'm not. I I have a lot of trouble getting heard in um, a work context, and I'm pretty sure it's them, and I'm pretty sure it's patriarchy. But like again, what if it's me? Uh, You know, a billion variations of this, and and I've collected these stories from you know people who. Their parents were immigrants but they sounded american growing up and so there's like weird shame and and cultural you know confusion around that and or um they grew up in a household where yelling was not allowed so now if they raise their voice they feel really uncomfortable or they were the youngest child of five or the english teacher in high school said is <laughs> a direct quote are you uh, trying to sound stupid on purpose and now she's in her 30s and she's like every time I open my mouth I wonder if that's what people are thinking and I don't know how to change it because no one ever offered me a solution or a suggestion merely a response to how I apparently present Mm
2: -hmm. so
0: the idea of a voice story is that it's it's the collection of these little tiny kind of dings we've gotten our whole life plus all the, all the media messaging, you know, when Hillary ran for office and she was quote unquote shrill, you know, like we don't know what to do with any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it just gets internalized. And then we're like, I don't love public speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine why not. Yeah. It's, it, it's
1: just so it's so. There's so many things to be said on that. Uh, One, the, the hypocrisy of women being, judged for their voice and men not in in certain situations right like i certainly i know that i have bias towards different accents right there are some that i do not feel safe with i innately don't trust there are some that i feel like that person is maybe smarter And that's just bias. That's not something that I'm trying to come up with. And to be honest, I never even really thought about it until I found you and started kind of listening to your work and what you've been talking about. So, can we talk about that for a second? Like, how can, what is typical bias within dating? And how does that affect finding a partner or first dates? Like, how does that come into play?
0: It's so interesting. I mean, all of us, here's one way to answer that question. All of us have a voice that is a result of our life experience. And I don't just mean where we were born and raised and what our parents sounded like, although obviously that plays a role. But then there's, there's all these other things that have to do with our life choices since then. When did we leave and why? And were we trying to run away from home? Or were we trying to find something that felt like it was coherent with the you know upbringing we had? What did we learn when we went off to say college, right? Or some sort of, you know, away from home experience. What did we learn about like what being taken seriously sounds like? And how did we maybe adjust in order to be taken seriously? What did we learn about what flirting works mm. on us and what flirting doesn't work on us? And we got called, called a, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. What did we learn about um, what makes people laugh and find us charming? Because linguists will say, and it's one of my favorite things about linguistics, nobody has picked up any habits that didn't mean something to them. We've Mm -hmm. picked up every habit we have for a reason. Mm -hmm. And that means if we say like a lot... It's because probably our friends do. And we are mirroring right. the people we love. Right. Or when you say like, you sound a little less aggressive or assertive, which some people can't tell the difference between. Mm-hmm. And so, and it helps to get what we want. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, often I'm I'm curious about, well, what does it take to get what we want in certain circumstances? I mean, like there's a lot of um, common wisdom, quote unquote, that the more direct we are, the better. But I don't think that most people who aren't, rich, straight, white men would agree with that. Right. We can be, we can certainly experiment with it. And I hope right. we in a world where we can be direct when we want to be. But yeah. we've all, according to linguists, found ways to be non-direct in order to actually get what we want, mm-hmm. to actually get heard, to actually be unintimidating enough to be you know, considered charming and thus have mm-hmm. our you know, somewhat difficult conversation actually be understood and appreciated, you know, whatever. So when we think about our voices this way, we realize that we really are the result of every aspect of our life, not just where mm-hmm. we grew up, but what, every single choice and every single single thing that wasn't our choice um, since then, and what we did to accommodate. And so, if we end up in a first date situation with somebody who doesn't sound like us, I like to use the phrase "generous ears." What mm. can we do? What can we do to, you know, notice some of those biases? Oh. This person is very unlike me. Oh, this person, I feel like maybe doesn't have an education. This person, you know, those notice them and go, ah, am I in a position right here to listen with more generous ears to the life that this person's actually led? If I want to. I mean, because the alternative is date somebody just like you. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I think slash hope that we are, you and me and, and those of us who are listening in are living in actively. Um, encouraging a world with more diversity. And that doesn't just mean skin color. It also means um, life experience and that will be reflected in your voice. Right.
1: Yeah, I think, and I, I really like that term generous ears because I think that can go even further to like generous like hearts, right? Of like not judging someone right away, even from a first date. I know I've, I've counted so many people off within two
0: minutes of
1: meeting. And sometimes it's just my gut and I listen to my gut and my gut was oh, this right. Is
0: just, this is such a good point, right? Because like what's gut and what's bias? Yes. There's yes. no I, I am not the person to say, there, here's the answer. But I am the person to say, be really curious about that.
2: Because mm-hmm.
0: if it's your gut and your gut is saying, this person doesn't make me feel safe or this person reminds me way too much of my bad habit of who I tend to date. Okay, take a breath. Listen to that honor <laughs> that like your time is valuable. You don't need to waste it learning the same fucking lesson all over again. Right. But take a second also in that process. This mm-hmm. is where the curiosity part comes in and say, is it something that is, that, that is my gut saying I need some distance mm-hmm. or is it just my habit saying this is new? Mm-hmm.
1: I, I heard you say in one of your conversations, I think it was actually on a different podcast but you were saying that when women feel unsafe, our pitch goes higher, <laughs> yeah. and when men feel unsafe, their pitch goes lower. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting to it. I have bias even thinking of men feeling unsafe.
0: <laughs> you well, know, I think actually I, I think an easier word to use is uncomfortable. Sure, but It isn't okay. necessarily about physical safety, right? But certainly uncomfortable, as in. Uh oh oh oh! I could be, bu- I could be vulnerable. Right. Oh fuck! Oh vulnerability alert! Something, right. something, someone could be seeing me for real. Yeah. For that, of us, regardless, right. of gender. And then yeah, I mean, again, if you don't fit this wonderful, um, and obviously this gendered stuff, it feels very binary, and we are trying to live in a much less binary world now. But but it is interesting to notice that a lot of this linguistic stuff does fall under gender lines because it's the world we live in. So yeah. if you're being, you know, curious about this stuff, it is an interesting place to observe ourselves as well. When women are uncomfortable or, well, yeah, I'll just say that. To be super clean, when women are uncomfortable, we tend to go up in pitch and then we end up sounding really nice. And it, I call it our Starbucks voice because it's also our customer service voice, which isn't right. about discomfort, but it is about like, is there anything I can do for you? Because I don't have any needs of my own. So don't worry. I'm not going to be um, in any way high maintenance. Mm-hmm. And then men stereotypically do the opposite also um similarly kind of monotone like i didn't do a whole lot of up and down when once i was up there it was just this like i'm just right here and then this is where i'm gonna be <laughs> <laughs> um so so men will do the same thing going down pressing on their vocal cords, and getting a lower than than their usual sound but also staying a bit monotone and then you end up with this classic like bro posture of like oh no dude totally no everything's good no totally i'm totally cool no, no like don't worry Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can like imagine so many situations that that has happened.
0: Right. And then, and then, you know, I mean, I have come over the years of working with people uh, to call that um, superhero voice. It's got like a little Batman quality. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm good. Everything's good. Yeah. Then we have this like horrible dichotomy where women go to Starbucks voice and like customer service and men go to superhero. Nothing loses me. But like, if we think about the culture we live in, yeah, that's a safe spot to go. Mm -hmm. Both of those really safe haven. Yeah.
1: It, it makes me think of, and I know I'm going to say 99% of the women listening to this will relate to this, but So many times, in including today, like in terms of like my life right now, the amount of times that I fake laugh, fake smile, say something nice back, don't respond to an innuendo, just to make sure that I can leave the situation without being harassed, without being called a bitch, without any problems. Is unreal, like it's absolutely fucking disgusting, and something that I I've been working on is being more direct because I was taught, you know, uh, women were taught not to be, we're taught to be nice and to cater to men, and it's interesting in that. Actually, okay, before I move on, I want you to speak on that first. Like, what are what are when I say that? Like, what are your Thoughts that come to mind with just that it's just something we deal with all the time
0: I have a lot of thoughts and I am also as a coach a a super realist so I'm an idealist I'm always heading toward us toward us I mean to the extent people would like to follow me or walk with me I'm heading us towards a better future in my mind but also I think it's very um irresponsible as a coach to say um Ignore the signs. Just be authentic. Right? So, So what you're pointing out is... What you're pointing out is that there are rooms where we get to practice and rooms where we don't. Yeah. And we get to acknowledge the privilege or the power that we have in certain spaces. And perhaps if we have some, spend it. So by that, I mean... If we are in a space where we are in a power position, if we have proven ourselves, if we are not worried about getting fired or getting harassed or getting hurt, what can we do? That's, we're, that, we're putting ourselves in a leadership position if we think mm-hmm. about it that way. Mm-hmm. What can we do to model? What can we do for that 16-year-old who is maybe not in the room but like needs us, needs yeah. us to do that now? Um. And I even I even extend that to like if you are in a work or conference or a social space and there's a question and answer period and you raise your hand to ask a question, you can think of that as leadership in that moment when all the eyes are on you. How do you want the future of leadership to sound? If you want it to sound like you, if you want it to sound unabashedly female. Not lowering your voice to try to sound masculine. If you wanted to sound unabashedly like someone who uses like or who swears, right? You may have noticed. I, I have decided to embrace both of those things. And <laughs> I'm, I'm at the beginning stages of a like eight-month uh, lead up to my book coming out, which one might call a you know campaign. And it is important to me that I show up as me in these spaces, partly because it's modeling, partly because it's more joyful. Yeah. The problem with public speaking coaching, and I'm using that phrase really broadly to mean any way that any of us have ever been told, here's how to show up in a big moment. In corporate context, it's often called executive presence coaching. The problem with all of that is that it is almost always taught in a manner where they're basically saying... Keep your voice low. If it's too high, keep it steady. If it tends to wave up and down and show emotional range, Uh, talk at 70% your regular pace. So be really measured. You know, those rules are just based on like what power has traditionally sounded like for thousands of years since like ancient Greece, which is also masculine and in most of the Western world straight and white Mm -hmm. and rich. Yeah. Um, and, nothing against any single individual who fits any of those criteria. But I will say that when I hear people I'm just going to say it. When I hear people like our former uh, vice president, Mike Pence, do you remember that um, amazing uh, VP debate with him and Kamala when the fly landed on his head? Oh,
1: yeah. that um, was like my fi- one of my favorite debates ever. Right.
0: It's so cr- I think of him all the time as the example of like the perversion of that standard that we're all told to match. Uh, whether we're told literally or we're just picking up the messages, right? He he is a prime example of somebody who fits every one of those every one of those um you know like check mark check mark check mark. Voice is low, no emotional range, you know, steady. Doesn't say like, doesn't have vocal fry. Great. Did you trust him? No. I didn't. I and even if he was a good guy, right? I wouldn't trust him because that does not engender trust. When we yeah. don't know i mean you can hear me right now i'm this is me being very naturally and organically pissed and this voice is what happens when i am allowed when i allow myself right. to be emotionally invested in what i'm saying and it also engenders trust mm-hmm. so i don't know what your question was but there's my answer <laughs> No, no, no. I do know what your question was, which is really like, how do we navigate? And I will right. say this, when I started teaching workshops on this before I sold the book, the workshop title that I came up with um, on a whim, because it just felt really ballsy, but honestly, it drives people to show up because, oh my God, we all have this question, is how do you use your voice to get what you want?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But there's like a big old asterisk around the word want. Because, and this really ties into what you're asking, like, The sort of how do we navigate weird spaces and which version of ourselves and where do we get to experiment with like not with like letting go of the mental load Mm -hmm. you described and the answer is what do we actually want on a day-to-day or meeting by meeting basis because if what we want in a job interview at all costs is to get that job that's useful to know no shame right no shame right but if what we want is to get that job, because if we get that job, we'll finally have the money to pay off our thing, to help out our brother, to, you know, fine, do what we must in that space, but do it on purpose. Yeah. And if our goal is not that, if our goal is, I want to feel like I'm in integrity with myself, I have not negotiated away any part of my identity that I love. And I want to be able to look in the mirror at the end of the day and say, I, I stood up for myself today, consequences be damned. No shame in that either, mm-hmm. but we get to decide, and it's not like a lifetime decision. It really is like a minute to minute, or meeting by meeting, or, or whatever dynamic to whatever dynamic decision. What do I want out of this? Mm-hmm. Is to, is this one one of the ones where I get to practice this thing where I'm like, "Fuck it, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hide. I'm gonna show up as real me."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And especially if we're in a situation where we do have some privilege to spend, then like, cool, let's tr- let's just let's just push the boundary a little, be a little braver on this meeting and see how it goes and pick up some data and do something with it. Right. Or this it, date, you know, I mean, I, I talk a lot right. about work context, but obviously this is also partly, partly it's, it's, it's the first half that we were talking about, about generous ears, but the other half is also like, what, which version of us is showing up? Is it somebody right. that, that is actually fall in love with the bull? Right. Which by which I really mean honest
1: it's interesting i i wanted to give you like a specific example i I'm, I'm sure you know all of these things but i i personally went through something and then the reason i bring this up is because i had a friend who's kind of newly back into dating who had this experience and she shared it with me and i kind of shared back with her the the kind of that it was a, a bit of a scary situation that she didn't even realize she was in but it was a situation where the the guy wasn't really listening to her and was kept asking for more time. Well, just you know, just let's do you know this, just make out for five more minutes, or like just spend. I just don't want to go yet. Like just do you know? And I've been in that situation too, where like I was ready to go, but the guy had to bring me home, and he kept being like come on, just like, just do five more minutes. And I, I was in a situation where like, I'm I'm like, okay, I can either tell him to F off and call an Uber. And what if that doesn't go well? We're in, there's no one around, or I can just make out with him for five more minutes, appease him, get in the car, which I did. And then I drove home and took a deep breath. And, and my friend was fine and and you know i kind of talked with her and she realized the next day like it didn't sit well but it fucking pisses me off that men do not understand the power they have over us that they think that they're hearing us and that they are like no means no and all of this shit but that this goes on and that we as women have to even make the choice of, well, what do we want out of this? And sometimes what we want out of it is simply to just feel safe. Yeah. Just literally stay alive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's take a moment for that. Cause yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there's, there's two, there's two like ways to go with this. One has nothing to do with my you know expertise, but just <laughs> as a friend, you know, just in terms of, Making sure that we can set up situations where we have some sort of an escape route, uh, or vet them enough mm-hmm. by the time that we're in private with them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but from the standpoint of my actual, you know, speech expertise, I will say that um, one of the most useful tools is something that can inspire resentment when I first mention it. So just sit with that and and, and continue listening for a moment. But there's a huge amount of data to suggest that women get listened to a lot better when they blend two separate things together. So one is strength and the other is warmth. And if you wanna think of these as dials, they're two separate dials they are not opposites, two totally separate dials. And the strength dial, we can come across as really strong or really incompetent or weak or I don't know what I'm talking about, you know, this, this sort of thing. And the warmth dial is from cold, where you're really closed off, to warm, where you're really bringing an I'm taking care of you energy. So all the data suggests, as does the existence of Oprah Winfrey, that when we can blend the two perfectly, when they're both at 10 or even they're both at 5, but that they kind of match our strength and our warmth, we get what we want at a much higher rate. Mm. And often in situations like that, we go one or the other. No shame, no victim blaming here. But it is interesting if we are noticing our own patterns as I talk about this to sort of think, well, what would it take to shift those dials a little bit in that situation for my safety's sake? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So if we're coming across as really strong and really not warm, that's likely i mean we can both fill in the blank likely going to trigger some sort of ego response that is actually going to be a bit scary Mm -hmm. if on the other hand we want to stay just that strong i actually really do need to go home now but we bring as much warmth as we can so that we are taking care of him at the same time again This is where your resentment is welcome to come out and go fuck that, but just sit with it for a sec. Right. So, if we're taking care of him just as much, I have to go. I have to go. I have so enjoyed this, but I absolutely have to go. Thank you. Right. It will get better heard.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And this has been um, talked about for eons with women in power in terms of smile more. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's really misses the point. The real point is what capacity do we have? inside of us to love on somebody to take care of somebody and in this case it's somebody who doesn't fucking deserve it yeah and so we get to go home and primal scream to our friends which is what you did right you and your friend and go this sucks but this is obviously ideally only reserved for these absolutely shitty situations that we hope are not that frequent but if what we're talking about if what we want quote unquote in this scenario is to get out safe dial up your warmth dial up your warmth and don't don't worry about that strength Dial up that strength too i'm not saying dial down the strength right and, right and you know sleep with them you know yeah. i am saying ask for what you want but also do it in this way it's by the way this is the same thing that works for interrupting people oh i actually still have a little bit more to say you know for those of you who are just listening i just did a big old smile it's not because i thought to myself smile more it's because i thought to myself take care of them oh uh, you accidentally interrupted but actually i just have a little bit more to say right Strength and warmth. Strength and warmth.
1: That is at I, at I, I, I hate that, but I also love that. I mean, I hate and love it. I mean,
0: what are you going to do? You
1: know, here's the I, thing.
0: Here's the thing. Does that dude deserve it? No. But does your best friend deserve it? Yes. yes. Does your kid deserve it? Yes. Do yes. you deserve it? Yes. We actually all want to be talked about. I think after we're gone, as somebody who is strong and warm. Right. who who was was sure of their convictions and also took the fuck care of people who nurtured the heck out of the people around them. Yeah. So these are actually inherently wonderful. It's just that when we have to use them on people who don't quite deserve it, it feels either manipulative or resentment inducing. And that's that's just because it's a tool that we're mm-hmm. using in a shitty situation in order to get out of life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What, what are some, do you have any other like key clear cut phrases that women can say to men when they aren't interested or they want to move on or they don't want to talk to them anymore. Like, do you have anything specific that we can just have in our back pocket?
0: I'm laughing because back in my dating days, uh in new york city doing a lot of online dating Uh, i um i remember a line i used a lot that before i was doing this work was totally strength and warmth mixing um and it really worked so i obviously offer it not out of my expertise but just out of my experience um and it's uh (laughs) it was after first date when somebody would want a second date and i'd be like we gotta we gotta shut this down now i would say you are so lovely but we're just not a match (laughs) with that warp with that warp that suggests you would have you were just about to figure it out too i just happened to figure it out before you which is really ego saving right
1: i love that what what about like if you're in a bar and someone's come over to talk to you and you just don't want to talk to them anymore
0: i mean i will say the first thought that went through my mind is i don't want to talk to you anymore (laughs) Look, if you are, in a, if you look, if you are with friends in a public space, you might as well just decide that means I'm in a power position. Sometimes yeah. we accidentally regress to some version of ourselves that felt like, you know, she doesn't have power. But what if we do? What if we were actually the boss in that situation? And a lowly assistant came up and started chatting us up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I'm not available right now. You're I'm not going right. to talk. Yeah. Oh, you're so, oh, you're so sweet. No, thanks. You make it sound so easy. (laughs) We we, we can practice it though. And I will say this, I mean, something that I talk about with people when they're about to, when they're, when they're preparing, when they're like interested in how do I get ready? Like anxiety hits. And this is maybe for public speaking, but really maybe for this situation too, either before a date or when you're about to go to a bar and you just are like, who's going to, you know, come up to me now and what awkward situation am I going to have to get out of? Um, One of my favorite suggestions, which actually comes from uh, Presence, the the Amy Cuddy books, the the woman who who made that TED Talk about um, power posing. There's deep in the book, something that didn't make it into the TED Talk, but she's a psychologist, so she has all this data, um, is this idea of priming for power. So in a nutshell, what we think about the moment before something big affects whether or not we hit that moment with power or with a sense of powerlessness. Mm. And it's kind of a cool thought experiment. Like even if right now you hear me and you're like, yeah, yeah fucking right. Like try it, try it, try it. Because our brains are pretty powerful. And here's what I know from experience. If we take a moment before we are about to do something that's a big deal, whether it's a date or a professional thing, or even just in the moment when somebody is uh, annoying the, heck out of us in a professional i mean in a, in a m um, whatever the bar context mm-hmm. um take a moment and think about there's a few things to think about if you want to pick and choose here think about a moment when someone you admire admired you back or gave you a compliment or sent you an email where you just felt really seen just breathe in that memory. It doesn't quite work to just remember it and then have like some mean inner voice be like, eh, whatever what does that was actually, no, you have to breathe in that memory. Like, God, that was so great. <laughs> right. And like, let your body glow a little, Let your, let yourself glow a little bit with whatever that memory invokes. Another version of this is just to think about somebody who absolutely loves you. And when they look at you, They shine that love on you and just close your eyes and remember them looking at you and -hmm. just breathe that in. But get yourself to a point where you remember yourself.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, you remember yourself at your greatest. In someone else's eyes, if if you're in a not nice to yourself moment, in someone else's eyes where they just valued the F out of you. And you're like, okay, thank you for remembering me. And then... See what happens in that next exchange. Because if you come from that place, you really will discover a version of yourself that's like, I'm good, thanks. I'm cool, I have my friends back there. I'm not interested in this right now, thanks. Yeah. Which is just a different place to come from than when you are priming yourself for powerlessness. For I'm in uncomfortable here. I don't think I look cute tonight. I all men suck. I you know whatever like fill in the blank thing. Um, some people call this victim mode, right? It's not necessarily a fair way to to talk about it, but it but you know if we notice that we're kind of sliding into victim mode, what can we think about to prime ourselves for power? To prime ourselves for the permission to say something real. And kind, but no. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it, it is very powerful. I I um I want to read a quote that you said. So you said no one has ever pointed out to these men their male privilege, and that they were kind of a buzzkill, or that you were kind of a buzzkill for not being able to take a joke. I, I didn't. I don't think I read that correctly.
0: Wait, I don't think I ever said that. Where did I say you that? You said
1: that. You said that on an interview Ooh. with. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look it up, but it was two women. It was on the podcast. Don't tell what your mom will oh. tell you.
0: Oh yeah. Oh my God. That was like two years ago. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Tell me what I said again. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. Let me, let me read it. Okay. Let me read it again. Let <laughs> I grab my bearings. Okay. So no one has ever pointed out to these men, their male privilege. So you're, so what you were speaking on is you were talking about a work situation where I think it was some kind of, of uh, actress you were working with felt uncomfortable, and she felt like she couldn't speak up. And you were you spoke up, and you were on set, and you said something that threw the men off. That were kind of like it set a boundary, and they're like, "What the fuck?" Like you know. And so what you were saying is, no one has ever pointed out to these men their male privilege, and that. You become a buzzkill. So this is their response to you is that you're a buzzkill for like not being able to take a joke. And I think that plays into all of this of even with like approaching a woman in a bar. Like I was approached recently by a guy who was like very interested and he asked me on a date and I just turned to him. I said, I'm just not interested. And then he went into like the sob story of how I was the first girl he had asked on a date and I just rejected him and whatever. So then it's kind of the same thing. It's like, it's the emotional labor because they're not told that they don't get whatever they want because they have male privilege.
0: I mean, 100% there's not even anything to add. It's like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I know some lovely men. So, you know, not to be a male apologist, but I'm just saying it is possible to start to notice these habits in yourself for any men who are listening, right? And go, ooh, ooh. Or I could treat a woman like she's a whole human being.
2: Imagine. Imagine. Uh,
0: <laughs> But I think that that quote, I remember now, now uh, I remember that I was talking about, and I'm going to try to be vague here just to be really sweet because, you know, dialogue. Okay. But I will say, I remember now I was on a set. And when you're on set, uh, a lot of the crew is just blue collar workers, 80% men who are not in any kind of, uh, you know, consciousness raising circles. And uh, what I meant about the, the male privilege in that case specifically is like n- no one is telling them to evolve. They don't know. They don't know. They right. don't know. If they're right. 20, they don't know. Right. right. Oops. And then, and then they have someone like me in the space. And if they're talking shit about my actors who I'm coaching, and if the shit is actually going to affect the actors because it is, I, I don't know, whatever, because like word spreads. Yeah. I yeah. They they need to someone me is going to um encourage them to a consciousness raising circle. Right. Um and and mention that some of their habits are um bad and outdated. Right.
1: Yeah, and I think I, I this isn't like a men bashing Episode, we're not. I don't feel like we're. I think I used to be men bashing, and I I think think
0: that's quite honestly why I was surprised at that quote because it's not the kind of language I normally use. But I do remember I'm literally envisioning the three guys that I was referring to now that you get the context, and they were sweet. Two out of three were dads, literally nice dudes. But underneath the surface is some biases, no one told them to examine. Yeah. And then I was next to them because the department that they have and the, the that I blah 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 blah. We would hang out near each other to listen right. for the takes, and right. so we got to know each other, and we like shared pictures of our kids. And then it was like, oh well, now I'm 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 complicit if I don't speak up. So right, right,
1: right. And and I think I think that's just the thing is it's like as a man, like we're not trying to tell you you're a shit human being, but can you hear us? Can you hear what we go through as women and can you empathize or empathize? Is that
0: a word? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Empathize or empathize. Yeah. Yeah. Can you empathize with us? And also, you know, um, as two white ladies, there is definitely some work that all of us are doing. And so we're also just saying, just saying, Hey, are you interested in a self-improvement journey? Like we're all on because we are all taking the gamble that we can change and that the painfulness of change is super worth it. It feels great. It's a good pain. It's the pain of self-improvement. Want to join? And if they have never been invited in feels crazy.
1: Right. And I love that you just pointed that out just to keep us in check too. I mean, as a white woman, I, I have a lot of privilege, you know, and and I need to keep that in mind, and I think like, like I have more privilege than my gay friends who are dealing with a ton of shit too. I mean we're all dealing with things, and we need to check ourselves to make sure that we're aware too and i just I just wish that men could just see it more and understand more, and the whole hashtag not all Men movement drives me insane. It's just like. Duh, like, duh, of course it's not all men. Just like if you're saying not all men, you're part
0: of the problem. Yep, yep, I know, I know. I mean, um, I I have an ongoing conversation with a friend of mine, a a woman, uh, about when we sort of keep tabs on some of the sort of male thought leaders out there and they put out comments, um, white male thought leaders, I should point out. They put out comments where they've done zero work on, like contextualizing their comment who's their audience who are they leaving out with their comment and then those of us who are like in it doing the work cannot think about anything without it being through that lens on purpose and accidentally like i am i am well trained at this point to think of, from an intersectional standpoint i want to it matters to me but i see these dudes turning stuff out and my friend who's also an amazing content creator and she's like oh, What must it be like to just not have to put on any kind of lens at all to not think from anybody else's standpoint, but your own, like, wow. Yeah. So all we're really asking is like, A, um, think about what other people's experience might be and B, decide that that thinking about is worth your time. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I want to, I want to transition. I know we're running short on time. I, if we could talk a little bit about the, you said you work with entrepreneurs and do you work with regular people too? Like, um, (laughs) and I guess as entrepreneurs, or if you do coach people that aren't necessarily in the acting business or political side of things, what are, I don't know, I guess, what are some basic tips that we how we can use our voice to get what we want i i know we've kind of talked about it in different fashions but i think it just comes to play in so many different areas of our life i'll
0: tell you there's one there's one major thing and yes is the answer i mean i work with with non-actors pretty exclusively right now and, and it's and my book is for non-actors. I mean if you're an actor lovely welcome I also have <laughs> background. Um, no shame. But um but no I mean my work over the last few years really has been with people at all levels of um the business world and the political world and really I mean whereas I have some colleagues and friends who are speaker coaches and who help people who want to be professional speakers. I help people who don't necessarily want to be professional speakers but who are eyeing power in a new way and pissed i mean mm. that is that is the that's like the perfect combo people. Mm. Me. and that could be i'm 22 and right out of college and i want a better path towards power than i see the older generation having or it can be somebody who's in her 50s who's about to theoretically retire from the c-suite level of some fancy corporate you know environment but is like sapped of energy and doesn't know what to do in the second half of her life and both of those Our people have literally talked to recently, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And often we're talking about actual like, uh, what do you, what words come out of your mouth, and how do you do it uh, for some upcoming talk. But often it's not that. It's just how do I get better heard? How do Mm. I, how do I stop undercutting myself? How do Mm -hmm. I actually tell a story when clearly there's a setup for me to tell a story, and why do I, why do I keep dodging it? Mm. So what I'll offer um, for you, gorgeous listeners out there, is um two related ideas one is that i think at the heart of a lot of this is a little suggestion i like to drop that the public was not built for us it's sort of an obvious comment but like you know 100 years ago even if you were a rich white lady you were not really allowed out of the house alone And if you were let out of the house a few years around that time because department stores started to be a big deal and they were hoping that they could lure women into these public private spaces that were fancy department stores, you weren't exactly then allowed to speak on your convictions to a mixed gender audience safely a hundred years ago. So think about what our grandmothers we were taught and think about what our moms were taught and think about what we were taught. And so we shouldn't mistake this, you know, everybody is allowed out of the house now uh, world for being one that doesn't have long histories of generational trauma. Mm-hmm. So, which is to say, if it feels weird to speak in public, that's because it's actually a radical act. Mm-hmm. It still is. in Wow. Wow. That's so it. powerful. On your own convictions. Without apology. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's one thing. And it affects our breathing. I mean, on a literal level, because I'm at the heart of it a speech coach, we can talk about pitch and tone and tempo and volume and breath. And all those things can be affected when a, face, a space doesn't feel safe and it doesn't have to feel unsafe because there's a scary person with a weapon. It can feel unsafe because that's, we have no history of that space being made for us or welcoming us. And here's the other thing, and this is totally same but totally different. I think where this really is an interesting place for us all to come into our power is when we have the chance to talk about something that matters to us. And this is on a date as well as pitching an mm-hmm. idea. The opportunity for authenticity comes from this. I mean, you know, this word gets thrown around a lot and we're like, great, be myself. What version of me? What, how, how, do I just, <laughs> how do I turn her on? What happened to her? Why am I not being her, right? Here's like my sort of simple definition of authenticity because I think it's sort of doable, not easy, but doable. Can we talk about what matters to us like it matters to us? Mm. Can we talk about what we care about and sound like we care about it? because most of us have lifelong histories of doing these two things that aren't that either faking that we care about something when we don't customer service voice. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Or under revealing when something really matters to us. Oh um, yeah. It was, it was a kind of a big deal, but not really. Don't worry. It's fine. Mm -hmm. So how do we say this matters to me and I honor that feelings are coming up? And they are not the kind of feelings that you should be scared of. They're just me being, this is what I sound like when I care.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And we don't turn it on all the time. This isn't some sort of like, you know, test. But when the stakes are high, when we have the chance to pitch something that's close to our heart, when we have the chance to tell somebody, I think of like those moments we all fall in love with in Bridgerton, when the person says the thing. We can do that too. And we don't have to be an actor. We Mm -hmm. just have to decide to care out loud. Mm -hmm. And it's something we can practice. It's something we can notice when we're actually doing it with our favorite people and get curious. Ooh, ooh, I just did it, you know? Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's what I sound like because we all sound different Mm -hmm. when we care out loud. It's often when our weirdest and most wonderful version of ourselves comes out and we're unique. You know, we each, this thing I said earlier about our life experience is reflected in our voice. Well, great, because we've all had a different life experience. So we all have Mm -hmm. a different voice.
1: It's so powerful. And I relate to that so much. I I was I actually talking to this woman when I was getting my nails done recently. And she was like, so what do you do? And I was like, oh, I, I have a podcast. And she's like, girl, she's like, say that. Like, why aren't you excited about that? Why aren't you yeah. like, I have a podcast. You know what I like
0: to say is is, and it's not easy peasy, but it is a fun sort of challenge, a mischievous challenge for yourself. Make your mission bigger than your mind gunk. So the mind gunk is the, is the eras of toxicity built up on top of each other from us not being able to have a public voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have mind gunk. Yeah, totally. And can our mission be bigger than it?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Here's what matters. Here's why it matters. It doesn't just matter to me. I'm making a thing mm-hmm. for other people. Yeah. Again, not easy, but like easier than we sometimes think. And Mm -hmm. super worth it to try. Because the other thing is that when we do that, that is what makes us trustworthy. That is what makes people fall in love with us. Not just Mm -hmm. those characters in Bridgerton. Mm -hmm.
1: I have two more quick questions. Are you okay on time? I don't know. Let's see. Okay. One is I was recently told how many dead words I use in my podcast. (laughs) Like filler words. And I was given an exact number. And it was a high number and it was kind of given to me in a way that, and maybe I misinterpreted it, but it was kind of given me, to me in a way that's like, maybe your podcast isn't doing better because of this. Does that matter? And do you think that there is bias there?
0: Um, here's what I think. When we are talking about what matters to us, like it matters to us, when we have decided when we've primed ourselves for power, when we've decided we're allowed to talk about what matters to us like it matters to us, we tend all of us to use less ums and uhs and likes. Mm. The ums and uhs and likes are not independent on their own, bad, and demonizing them I think is a huge, easy, low-hanging fruit target that is dumb and revealing of bias, yes. And What we can take from it is, it's probably a sign, if we're we're overusing them, whatever. I mean, I hate judging anybody on any of this stuff. But if we are interested in, you know, whatever, experimenting with using less, rather than thinking, stop doing these things, or thinking, I sound like an idiot if I do these, useless, 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 mean to our poor little nervous systems, much more useful to think Think what are the people who love me? How do they look at me? How do I breathe mm-hmm. them in? You know, like this is my book is called Permission to Speak because the permission side of it is just it's it's what matters. Mm-hmm. It affects the speaking more than directly trying to speak, quote unquote, better.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's really powerful and I resonate with that. And I'm actually glad I got the feedback because it is making me more aware of it and kind of like you said, like, what do I want? What is my vision? Um, but yeah, thank you for that. I really appreciate well, and also, it. Oh. And also
0: just to clarify for anybody listening, um, a lot of the habits, a lot of what the linguists will call feminine markers, where we hedge, where we add in filler words, a lot of that stuff we have picked up because they work really well conversationally. Mm-hmm. When we're in group conversations and we want to make it clear, everybody's welcome to jump in on the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda Montel's book, uh, word Slut" is super great for bringing together a lot of this, um, uh, like modern pop linguistics um lessons that kind of make us feel like uh we're not the problem um i highly recommend it but uh but the thing is the takeaway for me is that when we are the person on the stage or metaphorically in the spotlight we are not in a conversation
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so what is that version of us who isn't constantly saying please feel free to jump in at any time right interesting. Right. i sometimes think what is thought leader samara so you know it's like it's not she's not me it's like my sasha fierce right like what right it's just the version of us that isn't that isn't sharing the stage for just a mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. That isn't sharing the stage yeah oh
1: i love that okay so my last do you do can you do all types of accents
0: <laughs> um yes but with research this is okay. how dialect coaching works. You find out what the job is. You figure out what story needs to get told by the sounds that come out of this person's mouth, and then you research. Well, who are some native speakers who sound that way? You write down using the International Phonetic Alphabet, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of figure out what the like music is of the accent.
1: Do you want to like as you share with our listeners where to find you? Can you you do it using an
0: accent? No. <laughs> A better coach than I am a doer which <laughs> bad at doing it but I, it is to say that I actually I don't get a huge amount of joy in doing that but okay, I do sure. want to encourage anybody to do exit work around me and I will not judge you but I will offer suggestions <laughs> love it well tell us where we can go find you you've been so amazing oh thank you thank you thank you I love this conversation and I love that I don't normally get to have the conversation in terms of dating And it's, it's lovely how much is applicable. I I think. Um, the main thing is I have a weekly newsletter, uh, which if you just go to smartbay.com, you can sign up for, I call it a love letter to your voice. Oh, Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, so join me there. Um, I also on Instagram do a weekly, um, yeah, you're you're nodding. I do a weekly reel on Tuesday mornings. Um, and I'm always, my DMs are open. Let me know what you want me to do a, a one minute reel on and I'll dedicate it to you or I'll do it anonymously. Let me know. Um, but I love that space. And the book is coming out in like eight months. So I have nothing to like call to action on that. But like, just be in this world with me and let's mm-hmm. talks our voices together.
1: Ugh, I'm like totally fangirling over you. I'm so glad we met. Thank you for coming on the show. um, And just thank you for what you brought to our listeners.
0: My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. This was so lovely.
1: All right, everyone. Well, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Hello and Goodbye Podcast at underscore Leonard Joan at the real Jared Rodriguez. You can head to our website www.helloandgoodbyepodcast.com to find all of the things, our Patreon link, our sponsor links, our YouTube channel, our merch, which is super cute. Um, so head over there and we, Jared and I, will see you next time. Bye.